if you're connected to your emotions, your emotions are not replacement of your logic, rather it's complementary, meaning that you take emotions as an information of, do you like this? Do you hate this? Do you enjoy doing this work? Do you enjoy being with that person? If you have emotion, that will be your compass. That will guide you through the, your decisions. And I'm with this partner. I enjoy spending time with her. So I want to do more of this. When you take that emotion to your logic, then you can make wiser decisions. But if you don't have those emotions, you have to have something because logic doesn't give you rules. Logic doesn't give you direction in a way. Logic needs some information to be able to make decisions based off of. We are so grateful for you pressing play today on Soul Talks podcast with Sarah and Julie. We created this podcast for women seeking heart-centered soul love, just like ourselves. We're obsessed with helping you shift the way that you date and attract love. If you're looking to massively uplevel your love life, then you have come to the right place. Each episode is an exploration of our inner selves through the lens of love and relationship with spiritual lessons along the way. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of love and relationship development to help you seek, be, and attract healthy conscious relationships. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to bring Sajud. We had an IG live a couple weeks ago, and we mm -hmm. were talking about authenticity and how important authenticity is in relationship. And Sajud, welcome to Soul Talks Podcast. I just want to say thank you for your time and for being here. Hi, Sarah, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and for our conversation. And I hope and I believe that we're going to uh, have uh, great discussion and everyone who's listening uh, I, I hope that they're gonna get something out of it yes most definitely I a hundred percent so I was so intrigued and interested in all of the wisdom that was coming out because you knew so much about authenticity you knew so much about childhood you knew so much about psychology and I was just so blown away and so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of knowing yourself and being in a happy relationship and a fulfilling one mm -hmm. by going on the self-discovery journey. And so I pulled some things off of your website that I want the listeners to hear. And so Judd is a relationship pattern expert, and he helps his clients break destructive relationship patterns and show up as their authentic selves using the schema therapy framework so that they can build and maintain healthy, intimate relationships. And so before we dive into your self-discovery journey, I really want to ask you, I didn't look this up because I was so intrigued to hear it through your own words. What exactly is the schema therapy framework? How do you support people through working with that? So schema therapy framework is something, it's a new, it's one of the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, branches. And the idea was that the, traditionally cognitive behavioral therapy was more focused on cognition. And the idea was that if you uh, help people to reconstruct the beliefs that they have, the thoughts that they have about uh, in a way twisted or unrealistic thoughts that they have and if you help them to break those identify those and break them then they will be able to help and change their behaviors that was the whole idea like in a very simplified way mm -hmm. and later on they added uh, emotion and experiential part uh, aspects to it as well but it's still the main focus was 
cognition. And later on, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Young, uh, who started this um, schema therapy, and his idea was that he was working in CBT. And then he said that there were some patients that even though that they understood, they had insight about their problems and the thing that they were repeating their disorders, but they had difficult time. They were resistant. They were, they were resistant mm -hmm. to change and for treatment. And he developed this uh, schema therapy framework to help those patients that they were resistant to regular treatments. And the idea behind it is like one thing, one difference is that uh, he, he added the experiential and uh, emotional aspects to it, which is the one of the main aspects of the schema therapy. And also he put the, uh, he identified 18 schemas, call it life pattern, life traps, that provides a very good framework of thinking through your own uh, like problems and then how difficult they are to change and break them. One of them, for example, abandonment, usually it's like very uh, well known and like in the in pop culture, so like everybody knows like abandonment issue or like abuse or trust issues. And that provides very good framework to understand, just call them, name your, like whatever the patterns that you have and work through it. And the part about having the emotional aspects to it helped people to heal and break those cycles that they were resistant before toward it. Very powerful. And I think the emotions are some of the biggest aspects that keep us stuck and keep us in conflict and in unhealthy dynamics, as you know, helping people break those patterns. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious what led you down this journey or your self-discovery journey? What prompted it? Because when we were talking on the IG live and talking about authenticity, you, know, you were talking about dismantling the ego and you had this revelation of, okay, I build my outside identity, but now I needed to do the inner work. So can you walk us a little bit about what that self-discovery journey was for you? So uh, I was in a relationship and, uh, and then after a while, I knew that this is another relationship that I want to be. I will be happy in it. I was happy being in that relationship at the moment, but I wasn't seeing any uh, prospect for it. I didn't see that I'm going to be happy in this relationship. And that's if I do, I will be doing the service for myself and for my partner. And I didn't want to hurt any of either of us in the like in five years down the road. And so this decision was very logical and analytical decision. And it was more of making that mature decision based on my logic. And then, but when I ended, I, it, I couldn't reconcile with it. I couldn't move on from it. And, and then I tried to understand what is it that I cannot move on from this relationship. And any way that I, the only tool or skill that I knew at the time was my logic. And I, I was thinking through the, the problem from different angles, from different perspectives, was talking to my friends and my families. And anyone who was bringing new uh, insight, I, I had already thought about that and that didn't help me. And then up to that point, I was someone always, whenever I faced a problem, I was, uh, I still am a very uh, problem solver. And I think through the problem, I just uh, break it down to small pieces and then put them back together and always worked for me. But this time, deep down, logically it worked, but emotionally, I couldn't reconcile with it. 
And then I uh, uh, asked the, from a friend who, if you know any therapist, that maybe they're expert, they will know, they will have the answer for me. And then I called her and she said that, what do you, why do you want to uh, talk to me? And let me step back. The reason that I did was that uh, before that, I always thought that I know myself and I had the clear identity of who I am and what values do I have and what are my preferences. I was very, in a way, quote unquote, in that sense, uh, I had this illusion that I know myself and I figured it all out. <laughs> and, but then when I faced this problem that I couldn't solve, I, that I started doubting that apparently I don't know myself as much as I thought I did. And, and when she asked me, why do you want to talk to me? And I said, I want to know myself. And that was the question that I started the journey. And then after that, it was out of my control in a way. Like it, it was a journey that I started, I dived into it. And I just wanted a quick answer from her that how can I move on from this and what is the problem there? And, but then because I, uh, many things came up and also I, I loved the journey, even though at the beginning, even like it was painful a little bit, I just started like falling in love with the process and getting to know part of me that was unknown to me before that. And that part was emotion. And I was always someone that always loved to discuss intellectual like topics with people and just like arguing with them and uh, playing devil's advocate and things like that. And what she did, my therapist, that just she disarmed me in a way from my logic. She saw through my emotions and she tapped into those. And my logic was not working anymore with her. She was just like, she knew how to talk to me. She knew how to tap into my emotions that I didn't know how to access before that. And that was the side of me that I started understanding, connecting little by little. And that was the start of my journey in a way to getting to know and being connected to my emotions, which was not grown and matured as much as my other part, which was the analytical part side of it. I think that's so common for the majority of us because in Western culture, we're taught to come up into our minds and that our minds are the most powerful things and that we must use, use logic with every decision. And I think it's so common to hear that. And I also, it's just normal. It's normal to use our brains to rationalize and make normal decisions. And so one of the questions that I was going to ask you, how has adding the emotional part simultaneously with the analytical helped you along your journey? Does it give you insights when you tap into your emotions? Does it give you some sort of wisdom? Because we can use, say we're on a path somewhere down hiking, and we can use logic. Mm -hmm. This feels illogical to go this way, but some emotions might come up and some emotions might be like, no, it just feels off over there. I don't want to do that. Some gut emotions or some feelings. So by being super analytical, it, it shuts off those intuitive emotional parts. So how has life been different for you adding in the emotional part? Do you feel more balanced does it feel more connected do you feel more yourself how does that show up for you in your life so yes like when when you're a very analytical person and you see and look at everything analytically and logically then 
because your emotion is missing from there, you have to come up with rules and regulations and structure to make decisions, right? If I explain the other side of the story, that if you have emotions, if you're connected to your emotions, your emotions are, are not replacement of your logic, rather it's complementary, meaning that you, you take emotions as an information of, do you like this? Do you hate this? Do you enjoy doing this work? Do you enjoy being with that person? Or you, you're just bored being with that person? And if you have emotion, that will be your compass. That will guide you through the, your decisions. And okay, I, I, I'm with this partner. I enjoy being with her. And I, I spend, enjoy spending time with her. So I want to do more of this. Or I'm bored with this. We don't have anything common to discuss. So maybe she is not the right person for me. And when you take that emotion to your logic, then you can make wiser decisions. But if you don't have those emotions, you have to have something because logic doesn't give you rules. Logic doesn't give you direction in a way. Logic needs some information to be able to make decisions based off of. And then what happens, then you're gonna come up with ego-driven decisions and rules or you will borrow from your family from society that if you are in this if you have this education you have to date and have a relationship with a person who has this education if you are in this religion you have to date person from this religion and all of those basically bring you rules and the rules are replacement of your emotion and what happens after a while it is because the emotions come from coming from within, but the rules that are ego-driven comes from outside. After a while, you will feel disconnected. You will feel your decision and your life around it because you built it based on the rules that came from outside. It will feel foreign. It will feel strange to you because it's not yours. You pick this career, you pick this partner because you thought that's the right decision based on what you learned from society, from your family. It doesn't have anything to do what you want, what you love, and what you decide based on your own preferences. Because it's the logical thing to do. Exactly. It's the practical thing to do. And I often mm-hmm. see, and we're encouraged, I don't know if it's this is on the male side too, but as women, write a checklist and the guy will come and he'll become manifested. And I do believe that to an extent, but manifestation is also an energy and emotion being put behind it. And so there's a practicality in that checklist, check, 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 check. And believe me, I'm in Los Angeles. I can hit all those practicalities, but there's a feeling of something behind someone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a connection, Mm -hmm. there's a joy, there's an emotion behind it. And so hitting off that practicality isn't the totality of the person. And I love your story about to go back into your relationship ending, it was a practical thing to do, but you were, you were feeling some things emotionally and you were like, this doesn't make sense. I did the most practical thing. Why am I feeling this after I ended the relationship? So thank you for, for sharing that. And um, then that, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that practicality, when you, when there's not going to be one replaces the other one, one is good and the other one is bad. It's not that the rules or the thing that we, learn from our family and society and culture it's bad or good or like the thing that comes from within is good or bad rather if you start from within if you have your own inner compass which is your emotions 
if you have that, then you start from there. And then later on, you will check anything that the society tells you, you will check with it. You have a, you have a measure to say that, okay, this criteria that you're telling me that I have to marry or date someone such and such, does that align? Is that in, in, in alignment with my values, with who am I, like the person, what my preferences? If they do, then that's good. I'm going to take it. I will follow that rule that whatever the society gives me. But it's not in an alignment with my rules. I'm not going to follow it. It doesn't sit with me right. And that's the way that basically you uh, you combine those two things. One is that whatever your inner self tells you. Another one is whatever the society and your family tells you. And in some, there's going to be many, in many cases overlap, but you will make that overlap in, in a conscious way that you decided that this value that the society gives me, it is in alignment with myself. So I'm going to take it. And that in, in that way, you will, you will be more coherent with inner world and outer world. More authentic, more mm-hmm. aligned in that path. How are your relationships in the logical mindset of, of yourself without the emotional part? So I think it's going to be similar to like, it's going to be the same as what I said about acting and behaving based on rules that your ego decided that if, if you're very someone who has clear identity it's going to be the rules that your ego decided. If you're not someone assertive, someone who doesn't have very clear and strong identity, you will follow whatever is given to you from society. Either way, it is rules that you're following, either your own ego's rules or outside rules. And in my relationship, before that, the I'm, not, I'm using it like a taking it to the extreme uh, because my emotion wasn't just absent, absent. Rather, it wasn't as mm-hmm. uh, mature and as strong as my analytical side. But if I was acting and behaving in a very logical way, anything that I was doing, it was based on the rule. Be- I'm doing this because it's morally right to do. I'm doing this because you're supposed to do this. And I'm being nice or kind by present, all of that, because these are the things that you're supposed to do. And this is the right thing to do because my conscientious tells me to do. Mm-hmm. And, but when you add your emotions to it, it is that I adore her. That's why I do this to her. I, I want to spend time with her. That's why I call her and I ask her to go out on a date rather than, yeah, because it's weekend, you have to go out on a date. That's what you're supposed to do. And when you add that, and after that, it's not obligation anymore. It is something before that, when it's obligation, even if you do it, sometimes you're going to do things that you don't love to do it, or you don't have the energy to do it. You don't have the drive to do it. You do it because you're supposed to do it. After that, you may feel resentment toward the other person because you feel that they forced you to do this. But if you do it, based on your own preferences, based on your own values, that something comes from within, you're not going to resent anyone because you decided to do it because you love to spending time with her. And uh, in that, it will be more of not based on obligation, rather based on love, based on true kindness, based on true attraction and chemistry with the other person. 
And in that sense, like before that, people may pick a partner for long-term relationship or marriage because they believe that's the right thing to do. And after a while, they can work it out. Of course, it's not, I'm not saying that if they, you choose it based on that, your relationship and marriage is going like, to fall apart. No, you can work it, out, work, you work it out and then you can make it better. But if you stay in that phase of obligation, after a while, you're not, you're going to have, you're not going to have communications. You will be distant from one another. You won't have the emotional connections. You will resent each other. You will even resent your children because they force you to stay in a relationship and marriage. But if you build a relationship that comes from within that you loved to do it, you decided to do it, then there's not, there's no place for resentment. There's no, you're not going to resent your partner, your children, yourself for it. You love being in that relationship and you decided to do that. So beautifully said. So beautifully said. Okay, I have another, some more questions. I have a quote here from you off of your website and I thought it was so beautiful. It said, life should be enjoyed with a deep sense of content and genuineness. This approach to life is a result of clear and cohesive understanding of your thoughts and your emotions and your actions. And so I want to segue this, what you said of cohesive understanding of your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions into how this could develop and go into uh, happy and fulfilling relationships. So how important is understanding your thoughts and your emotions and actions in a happy and healthy relationship? So there are happy or pleasant emotions, right? You can look at it from from the timing perspective some of our pleasant emotions are related to our past for example uh, if you can't forgive about something someone did to you in the past and you can forgive yourself then you will have a feeling of being content and that is related to your past and some emotions are about present like the present time which is being present being enjoying and savoring any uh, pleasure in your current life whenever you eat food or you're uh, having enjoying the conversation with someone that you're having or doing hiking and some of the good emotions or pleasant emotions are related to the future being hopeful being about hopeful about the future and the way that we can uh, we can free ourselves from past and then being able to be present and not worrying too much about the future is that you need to understand yourself. You need to understand your past. The reason that sometimes our minds, our emotions ruminate about the specific memory, about our past, is that there's something there that we haven't learned still. We haven't learned the lesson or the wisdom from about our past. And the way to move on from it is that to, we need to understand our past. The experience that I had, for example, the abuse that I, I experienced in my childhood or the neglect that I uh, experienced in my childhood, how did that affect me? How did that affect the way that I feel, the way that I experience my life, the way that I see my partner, the way that I experience my relationship? Is it that because I was neglected, I was neglected, I was abandoned as a child? Now, is that the reason that I'm always afraid that my partner is going to leave me when you understand that then you you will hear from the past 
you will not ruminate about your past and you will be present in your relationship. If the person, your partner is truly someone you cannot trust, that they are, they have commitment issues, then you will objectively be able to see that and you will, and their relationship will, you need to work on your relationship. But if you see your partner that she is not that kind of person, she, she is trustworthy, then your past will not dictate the way that you see that relation, that partner. And instead, you will be able to be present in your relationship and enjoy moments, every moment that you're in with that person. And then what it means, alignment of your emotions and your thoughts and your behavior, before it was an alignment because you were acting a certain way that was dictated by your past. Now that you you can you are healed from your past now you see your partner the way that they are instead of seeing them or like seeing through your trauma lenses you see the person as they are if they're trustworthy you can trust them and you will enjoy it and your behavior also will be in alignment with that before you were always controlling you were always someone worrying about what your partner is going to do now your behavior is going to change as well your behavior is going to come from safe place, somewhere that you can trust people. And in that sense, before your relationship was filled with anxiety, with fear of abandonment, with rejection, now it can be filled with contentment, with happiness, with joy that you experience in your relationship. And you can apply this to every aspect of your life that if you, for example, you chose a career because your parents expected of you that was considered being successful, then you will have, you will be successful, quote unquote. You will have those achievements that it was expected of you, but you don't feel content. You don't feel happy deep down. But if you choose the career that comes from within that you chose, that you wanted to, it was in alignment with your values and your preferences, then your behavior, the way that you show up, show up at your work, the way that you treat your, let's say, clients, your colleague, your boss, will be completely different. You come from the uh, perspective of that, I love this job, I want to have this job, I love being in this service, and that's the way that you will behave, and that's the way that you will feel content, and that's the way that you will feel happiness. So beautiful. So the self-discovery journey from what I'm hearing, is going into the past and understanding our emotions that were so complex in the child in childhood and dismantling them, understanding them, under the understanding these thoughts and emotions so that we could be healthy and aligned and congruent individuals so that we can have healthy, happy relationship. And I love I, first of all, I love hearing a man say this because it's so important for male leaders to be expressing this and talking about this and leading in this way, because it's, we need, our humanity just needs it. So thank you for that. And I also feel I'm taking a, a trauma-informed course and there's a lot that I love about it. I actually love a hundred percent of it, but again, there's going to be some beliefs that I don't align with. And I see, I see the power of coaching and okay, you don't really need to 
dig into the past and go deep into their trauma, you can see the reactions on how people are feeling. So let's just say someone is feeling um, hurt. I know that that hurt is going way deep because of maybe the context of how they got hurt was really light. Maybe they didn't get a text message, but they're sitting and stewing in it. I know that hurt is a very old emotion. It's a very deep, long ago emotion. And so the thing with coaching is that they kind of want to see the client where they are and move forward with it. But I love your approach and I love this approach. And I I have a blend of both uh, the past and the present and the future, as you do as well in your work, is you have to, in order to discover ourselves, we have to go into these patterns and we have to be emotionally intelligent and we have to be aware of what's happening in our past so that we don't repeat them. So when you said, you know, you're going to resent your partner because of what was showing up in the relationship, or you're going to have trust issues, that's because of past things that have are hurting you that have hurt you in the past that are coming now into the present. So a big part of the self-discovery journey is a ton of healing. And I know that in my own path, there has never been a moment where I've gone to a different growth level or evolved consciously, emotionally, spiritually, whatever level that might've been where the past did not show up. It, they come hand in hand with each other. And so there's a part of coaching that I sign up for, but then there's this part of therapy that I'm so into. And so I'm hearing both of them coming together with you and, and recognizing and realizing that the past is so important in order to be in fulfilling relationships. And so I, I see this, right? If we are so aware, we can be as aware as possible with our past and what it's caused us, then we can communicate that and articulate that to our partners and be able to fully authentically express that. And that's where I feel healthy relationships happen because we know ourselves, we've got, we've turned over that stone and then we're able to integrate it within ourselves and then talk about it to our partners. What the problem is, and I'm sure you see this so much in your work, which I'd like to dive into. I see it in my work too, is we're in these bad patterns and we haven't yet healed the past. And we don't even know why we're reacting or responding a certain way. We just are stuck in these deep emotions. And so if you have an avoidant partner and an avoidant partner, guess what? That's not going to get resolved because they're both going to be separating apart because of past things in their self-discovery journey that they haven't yet resolved. So I would love to talk to you about some of the work that you do and some of what you see inside of your work on how when people are stuck in their patterns that are in childhood, what are what are one or two things that some patterns that you might see when they're in relationship? So I'm going to connect it to what you said about like kind of always past shows up or that the, the, the past pain shows up whenever you have experienced and seeing growth in yourself is that this is how it works this is uh when i if i was as a child i was abandoned okay and as a child i went through some experience some painful experience that i felt that loneliness abandonment and and i had the need to feel safe to feel secure from my parents from my family from my caregivers that I am safe, but I didn't get that need met. 
right? So what that means is basically any emotional, psychological disorders or issues is comes from your emotional needs are not being met. And when that happens, that will leave some scar, that will leave some wounds in your psyche, in your emotional, in your emotional psyche. When I grow up, when I'm in a relationship, when my partner doesn't respond to my phone quickly, it's not me as an adult that who hurts. It is my inner child, my little self who is hurting. I'm going through the same emotional pain that I experienced as a child. And of course, when I'm gonna react, I'm gonna react the same way as that child reacted. If as a child, I was someone, when I was in that situation, I was abandoned as my, uh, uh, from, from my parents' side, I became avoidant. I went to my own room and locked down my, my, myself in the room. I will do the same. When my partner calls back, I won't respond. So in the surface, they're different, but in the, in the, uh, in the, at the, basically when you go to the roots, they're exactly the same. I was avoiding whenever my mom and my dad called, knocked my door, might knock my room to come in and then make me feel safe. I didn't let them in. Now I'm not gonna let my partner to come in to make me feel safe. And the way that I would be able to heal is that I need to go back and feel and re-experience that my inner child, that what pain that I went through, I need to exactly understand that. And this is where I do experiential work, which is emotional work is that I take my client to their childhood experiences to remember again emotionally, not logically, not analytically, emotionally remember and feel again what pain they went through. And then that will, if you understand the pain, there are like different levels of emotions that you can feel. They're secondary emotions and then they primary emotions. Usually people show uh, a secondary emotion that they feel anxiety, but anxiety is the secondary emotion. Deep down, there's a sadness in the abandonment or anger that the child was angry at their parents or it was sad because he was lonely. And when you tap into that emotion, then the child will understand what need the child had that was not met. And the need was being feeling safe, feeling loved. And when you they feel that and also they connect to the current, the latest fight that they had with their partner, that their partner didn't respond to them quickly or they didn't give the attention that they needed in the party or whatever it was, they feel they felt abandoned. And when they make that connection, when you also arouse emotion, that becomes label, that becomes flexible, that, emo that memory. And then you can inject new memories, new, not new memories, sorry, new emotions or new inputs into it. And then you can replace, basically you will be replacing anxiety with the primary emotion, which is sadness or anger. When, you, when I do that, then that person, that child will be healed. Or when I entered into the picture or the, the, my client's adult version enters into the picture and makes the child feel safe, understood, loved, that child will be healed. And then, the next time my, my client's partner doesn't respond to them quickly, that child is going to trigger a little bit. 
at least at the beginning. And but then later on, quickly they will realize that this is their child who is hurting now, and they can make their inner child feel safe. And then once they do it, once once you make your inner child feel safe, loved, whatever the need at the moment he has, then you will become one. You won't be separated. You won't be separated in your child and your adult version. Rather, they are going to be integrated. Once you're integrated, then you, that means that you feel safe deep down. And then you can behave and respond in a mature and wiser way. Instead of then when they call back, you're rejecting them, not responding to them to punish them because you're angry at them. You will respond and may say that, Look, when you didn't respond for a couple hours, I felt uh, uh, I was scared. I felt sad. I felt abandoned. I felt rejected in a vulnerable way, not accusatory way. That means that you now are responding. You've healed and you're responding in an adult way. And that will also trigger healthy and functional response from your partner as well. Instead of you rejecting them, they're being angry at you and they get into a fight. All conflicts, in my opinion, are inner child, all conflicts, all misunderstandings. This is my opinion, all conflicts, because why didn't you take out the trash? You didn't take out the trash. What's the deeper thing there? Well, I don't feel seen or I don't feel respected. I don't feel heard. Well, how far back does not being respected go? And it's a deep one, right? When we carry the deep, deep pain I feel that's when the biggest conflicts happen, because if we go down to the root of it, I ultimately do believe it's the inner child just trying to find reconciliation in that partner in the present moment. So I think Mm -hmm. our inner childs are just constantly coming out and we're trying to communicate our inner, our unhealed inner children are trying to solve the problem and communicate, but really it's the healthy adult that needs to show up exactly what you're saying for the inner child and those two adults. That's a healthy adult. In my opinion, there's this beautiful integration of the inner child and the awareness of the inner child. So I'll give a personal example. Um, I have tendencies in general of isolating. I love it. I enjoy it. I'm very introverted. I need a lot of time for myself. I can see different levels of my healing journey and where I still get stuck by this observation within myself. So in past relationships, I would isolate myself, put myself in a room whenever there was a conflict and not use my voice and not speak up. How freaked out would my partner be, right? Probably not feeling secure at all. So the next layer of healing of my journey has been, okay, I'm going to isolate myself, but I'm going to tell my partner that I need space and communicate that and tell them that I need to think and I need time to process. But then there's this almost for what I feel this mastery level, at least in my journey is I know that he ha- that I have these tendencies, but how can I go a little bit on my edge, be a little bit uncomfortable and not isolate and actually lean in and actually have a conversation with my partner in that moment? How can I then go above my coping mechanism of isolating myself and needing time to process and really just sit there maybe in the uncomfortableness with my partner and have him see me process. Well, I can't really put it into words, but go through that with my partner. And I still Mm -hmm. go through that. You know, I can self-isolate and I need time to think, but those are 
clear examples of my wounded child on how she was so wounded and needed to protect herself and couldn't even speak out to then could speak out. And now the process is I'm going to lean in. I'm going to be uncomfortable as fuck, but I'm going to sit here because you deserve the time and the respect to, to be here with me. Both are okay. I think isolating and speaking out are okay, but I think taking it to the next level for me, at least in my relationship journey is going there, but it all is the inner child and how the inner child copes. So what you just explain part of it, but you just explain what is used in like kind of therapy is that how to heal and treat a person that you just did like in, in your own like self-realization is that when the, the idea is that basically feel the emotion that you have and the pain that you have and then realize what is your tendency automatic tendency and replace it with something that it feels counterintuitive it feels unnatural at the beginning wow. and then when you once you replace it then that will basically before you wanted to avoid because that's what you did as a child. That's what protected you. Now avoiding is hurting you in your relationship. And then now replace it with something else. You start small, right? As you said, like maybe at the beginning you want to just isolate but tell your partner. And later on, okay, that worked. Now I build up my muscles a little bit so I can do something, take on bigger challenge, which is staying and lean into that uncomfortable feeling and uh, experience it and see how it feels. Then after a while, that will become natural. That will become your automatic tendency instead of avoiding your that situation. Yes. Yeah, lots of coaching and therapy on this side. But it's still uncomfortable, right, to meet, to go mm-hmm. into that uncomfortableness. But you almost intuitively know what's healthy, though. There's, there's something that we all know that is healthy. We know that when we shut our doors and we close off and our partner's angry at us because we shut down, we know that that's probably not the best response that we, our partners deserve. Again, this isn't about being perfect, but we, we kind of have an idea of what healthy might be, might be communicating our needs or coming from the eye or saying things in a, in a calmer tone and not reacting, right? We, we know, but to walk through that is a damn journey and it starts with the inner child. So I know that everyone is so uniquely different, but if we can create some generalizations, what do you think makes a happy and fulfilling relationship? I believe that a relationship will be happy if both parties are happy and content. You're not going to, of course, be happy all the time and jiggly and like kind of having fun, but being content is the most important thing. And for that, you need to, both parties have to do some inner work to some extent. Of course, this inner work is not going to end. It's never going to end. It's always changing. It's always you find new parts of an aspect of yourself. But to some extent, you know who you are. You know your, you know your past. You know your pain. You know your patterns, dysfunctional, unhealthy patterns. And you have, to some extent, some control over them. Some, you, you can manage them in a healthy way. For example, as you said, like if I have a tendency to, whenever any complex rises that I avoid, I go into like lock myself in my room. You understand that and you found a way to deal with, to soften a little bit. 
to make it more manageable. And through this process, it's not just to fix my avoidance. Rather, when you go through that, you become closer and closer to going back to our original like this topic was that become closer and closer to authentic selves. You know who you are. You know your pains. You know your preferences. You know what you like and what you don't like, right? Uh, I remember that when in our IG lab, you were saying that you don't like that much camping. This is something that you found found about your your what you like and what you don't like. And once those two people that they're in a relationship, that they understand themselves and they're closer, at least they strive to become their authentic selves. And then they show up as their authentic selves. And in some cases, they are a good match that their differences, their similarities, they are aligned in a way that for most part, they are in alignment. They are complementary. They enjoy and love being together. In some cases, when you show up, when two people show up as their authentic self, they are not matched. They cannot be together. They cannot even be, become friends. And But the first case that you show up as your authentic self, and you are the most part, you are complement and match, then that will bring happiness and content into relationship. One important thing I believe is that if two partners, they have this starting uh, level of being matched and they are willing to, uh, they're honest, they have honest and vulnerable communication with each other all the time, and they're willing to grow, that is, I would say, that is a big predictor of successful relationship, that they are happy, content, and it's in alignment with who they are. They're not putting any mask, they're not putting, that they're not playing in the, in the relationship, rather being themselves and enjoying being themselves. So beautiful. Thank you, Sajad, for spending so much time here on Soul Talks with us. And for any of you listening, something that I can recommend is that's helped me along my journey and so much value here in this episode with Sajad sharing his wisdom about healing and self-discovery and, and figuring out his emotional side and the logical and integrating all of that. I recommend going on Google and just typing in healthy, secure relationship. And what I used to do in the past is when I was in psychology, having an anxious attachment style, I would just basically Google this and create that as a marker for me to level up and step into. So for those of you that are feeling like, I don't even know where to begin, Google search healthy attachment or healthy, secure attachment, and that can give you ways to grow and step into. So Sajad, where can people find you? How can they contact you if they want to coach with you? So I have, like you can uh, read, like find my Instagram at underscore S-A-J-A-D dot V-A-H-E-D-I. And you can just like, enough, I have uh, a lot of free content there. You can just like watch them and reach out to me through DM and also through my website that you can find in my Instagram as well. And uh, if you have any questions or if you, uh, any of my contents or this episode that I had with Sarah that resonated with you, you can reach out to Sarah or me and tell, tell your story. 
dialogue or ask any question that you have. And I would love to, uh, and I'm sure Sarah also would love to respond to you. Uh, we give our uh, uh, thoughts or our point of view. And, and if you felt that it resonated my content and you want to work with me, you can reach out again through DM through my website. And I have a free uh, session to just to figure it out to, for me to get to know you and hear your story and see if I can help you or I, I need to refer you to someone else. And um, yeah, that's, that is how you can find me. Beautiful. So if you want to break those patterns, those patterns that aren't serving in relationships, reach out to Sajad. He's amazing. So I usually end this podcast with Julie and I pulling a one-liner of, and today's soul lesson is, what would you say today's soul lesson is that the viewers can take away with them? Working on yourself, working on yourself and understanding your past, discovering yourself. It is not just something, again, out of obligation or something that you have to fix this because you're expected of this or you have to fix it because you want to have a good relationship. Of course, those are good reasons. But if you go through this process and if you understand and discover who you truly are and strive and try to live that, your authentic self, I promise that you won't regret. I promise that you will enjoy this journey and you won't even think about going back the version that you were before. Not in, yeah. So beautiful. So today's soul lesson is to do the inner work go on the soul self-discovery journey of discovering yourself and step into your authentic nature. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to your healing and your growth. And we're really proud of you. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of our special bonuses and deep soul conversations with expert guest speakers. Your opinion of the show means a lot to us. So we invite you to leave an honest review. 